Good morning. Welcome to the now 11th, yes, 11 episodes of the Daily 5 Fantasy Sports Podcast, covering five news stories in no more than five minutes each. I am CK. Some people call me CK. My real name is Corey. Last name is Peeper. Follow me on Twitter at C-O-P-I-E-P-S. It looks like Co-Peeps. Not everybody has time to sit down and listen to 60 to 90 minutes of a podcast or to read five new articles to understand what is really going on. My goal is to do the legwork for you and give you something to do with it as far as an actionable recommendation. Usually I'll focus on baseball, basketball, and football. Today there is no basketball. We have some baseball stories and we have some football stories. No time to waste. Let's get to story one. I still do not have my normal computer back, I should say. That's why you didn't just hear a cool drop. Uh, it's in the shop. Uh, they tell me Apple's pretty good. They tell me it'll be back sometime this week, but it's still not here yet, so no fun drops yet. So story one, Marcel Azuna. Friday morning, Marcel Azuna was pulled over in Atlanta a little after 3 in the morning, which nothing good for a professional athlete ever happens at that time, so that's a good part to start. The police reports state that he was not only speeding, but crossing between both lanes of traffic. The reports were of driving 90 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. That's that's not good. Uh, pulling his best Tony La Russa impression, his exact line, apparently, which you can watch the videos online that are out there, was, Sorry, sorry, I'm Azuna from the Braves. You may remember Tony La Russa's line was, when he was drunk driving, Don't you know who I am? I'm a Hall of Famer. At the time, he told pol- police, this is Marcelo Zuna, now back to him. At the time, he told police he was fine, and it was only three or four Presidente beers, which I'm not sure what that is. It doesn't sound particularly good. Uh, the officer did his job and had Marcelo Zuna fulfill not one, not two, but three different sobriety tests in the field, with Marcelo Zuna himself declining to do the breathalyzer. His quote there was, I can't do that. Please take me to, or no, please, just take me to jail. And he would be. The officer did that. He was officially charged with a DUI and failure to maintain his lane. The Braves' statement that day was, The Braves are aware of Marcelo Zuna's arrest this morning and are still gathering all the facts pertaining to the arrest, or pertaining to the incident. Our organization takes these matters seriously and are obviously disappointed by this situation. Unfortunately for the Braves, the statements are happening all too often when it comes to Marcelo Zuna. You may remember it was a little over a year ago when he was arrested for... Assault and battery, and those charges were eventually dropped. Marcelo Azuna was out on bail that Friday, but found himself out of the lineup. He found himself out of the lineup Saturday, but he was back in the lineup on Sunday. His quote after after this all went down was, I disappointed my team, I disappointed my family, I don't have anything more to say, it's a legal matter. There are still no reports, as I record this, of any punishments levied by either the Braves or Major League Baseball. I think that'll probably come at some point, but they're going to wait for the legal system to, to run its course. Uh, but when that happens, if something happens, I'll probably report on that. Now, for your fantasy team, you can move on already. The Braves had already really started moving on from him even before the DUI. He hadn't played until today since August 14th, and that's obviously before his problems. So that was just due to poor performance for the year I didn't see what he did today, so or yesterday for the year. He's hitting just 214 with 20 home runs and 46 RBIs. So far, he's been replaced by Robbie Grossman in the lineup. You wonder at some point when Ozzy Albies or even Orlando Arcia, when one of them is able to return, do they find a way to move one of them to the outfield or to move Vaughn Grissom to the outfield? 
it's really hard at the point now where it's really hard to imagine Vaughn Grissom not being on this team moving forward. If you need a replacements for the outfielders, so I went to outfielders who could be good replacements for you on Yahoo. A good replacement for McCutch for Marcelo Zuna is Andrew McCutcheon. He's quietly been pretty good all year, hitting 253, 14 home runs, eight steals. Been a bit out of a heater recently, three home runs in the past week. He's 41% owned on Yahoo when I did this, and double that, 82% on Fantrax. So on Fantrax, then you'll need a different option. Obviously, I try to keep it under 50%. I mentioned Hilder Ramirez before, and he still qualifies. He's under 50% ownership. He's had hits in every game since he's returned from the IL for Tampa Bay. And another option would be Lars Nupar, 31% owned. The season-long numbers are pretty uninspiring, but he's now an everyday player who bets leadoff. He either bets first or ninth and kind of flips with Tommy Edmond, which is weird. But in August, he's hitting 271 with one home run and two steals. So those are some replacement options for Marcel Azuna. Story two to the gridiron, the Washington running backs. I put it when I put it in my notes. I had it. It's the biggest reaction of all the preseason action, and that's still probably true. But we're going to talk another preseason reaction here. But I don't think anything's going to beat the Washington re- the Washington running back reaction so far. Probably be the biggest story of any of the preseason ones. But on Saturday, the Commanders took the Chiefs and lost. But that doesn't really matter. Who cares? It's what you learn if you watch the game, and specifically about the running back situation. So all training camp, it's been. Between Brian Robinson, who's a rookie running back out of the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, and Antonio Gibson, who is the incumbent, they've essentially been splitting first and second team reps. And Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Washington Commanders, has been really noncommittal. He hasn't said anything. It's been, yep, we'll make a decision, and they're both doing well, and coach speak, right? Nobody wouldn't want to say who's going to be the day starter. Then Saturday happened, and you can make your own judgments. So this is what we know. Antonio Gibson returned the opening kickoff and played on some punt coverage. He had two carries for three yards. He had three catches for 37 yards, and he primarily worked with the second-team offense. Meanwhile, Brian Robinson Jr. had eight carries for 31 yards. I primarily worked with the first-team offense. He did not get a target in the passing game. Those are the facts. So what does it all mean? Well, at this point, it certainly seems that Brian Robinson is more likely to lead this team in carries, and Antonio Gibson is more of a third-down hybrid back who is going to play some receiver even. Robinson last year at Alabama had 271 carries in 14 games, which is over 19 a game. So if you want to talk about being a workhorse and just leaning on someone, you can do that. He actually caught 35 passes too. He can catch. He's a very big back, but he can catch. And if you go back to his, his college career, Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver. More so than even a running back. So I know he can catch. And he's shown it in the NFL, too. He has 78 catches in two seasons. So playing Antonio Gibson out at wide receiver split end, it makes sense. I I can see that happening. Here is my unofficial prediction. And maybe it's just because I'm a Packers fan, but I think it could end up being a lot like the Packers with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, where I really think they're both going to be on the field a lot. I know, I think it was... Aaron Rodgers, who had a quote recently that we want the best players on the field, and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both qualify in that respect. A.J. Dillon can play running back. Aaron Jones is going to split out wide a lot. We've seen him have, I think he had a 14-catch game against San Francisco maybe a few years ago. Would anyone really be surprised if Green Bay was roughly a 50-50 carry split? I don't think so. Would I really be surprised if Washington was roughly a 50-50 carry split? 
no, maybe even a little bit towards Brian Robinson, but for for fantasy, right? Aaron Jones is still more valuable than AJ Dillon because receptions you'd catch it down the field, even if you'd get a point for it, right? That's one thing, but otherwise you're already down the field generally, even a little bit, and you're not running into the back of your lineman and having to get pounded on. And I think the same could be said of Antonio Gibson. That's still in my mind. I think his touches will probably be more valuable than Brian Robinson's. Gibson's currently running back 25, according to ADP, and Brian Robinson is 55 among those numbers. Now, this news has to pull them closer together. They, they cannot, if you get Brian Robinson at bad value, consider yourself just the blessed by the Lord because that is really late. Robinson should probably be top 30-ish overall. That's the Kareem Hunt, Rashad Penny, Tony Pollard range. And Gibson at 25 is probably about right. Maybe they should flip a little bit, both be in that same area. It's something to keep watching. I don't know if we'll actually ever get a clear indication here. I'm sure eventually Ron Rivera will have to say who's this day one running back, but does that mean he has to play it like that? Not necessarily. Story number three is, remember three weeks ago when the question was, would the Padres be able to catch the Dodgers? Yeah, me neither, because suddenly the Padres are playing 500 baseball this month after acquiring three All-Stars at the trade deadline. And one of them lost his job. So let's talk all three of these All-Stars. Juan Soto has been basically as advertised. I suppose they'd want a little more power. The slugging percentage is low, but he's hitting 305 with a 461 on base percentage, but only a 492 slug since getting there. Josh Bell has been cold. He did get his first home run this weekend, but he's hitting 131 with a 264 on base percentage and a 213 slugging percentage since being there. That's not good, but the one that gets brought up here is Josh Hader, right? although he's been probably the most notable disappointment of all three of them because when a closer struggles, everyone notices because you single-handedly lead your team to a loss. Since joining the Padres, three and two-thirds innings, five hits, five walks, six earned runs, 16.2 for an ERA with a 10.92 FIP. So he's unlucky, but that's still really bad since joining the Padres. But Haters struggles go back even further than joining the Padres. They really go back to I just the 4th of July. Since then it's been 11 and 2 thirds innings, 19 earned runs, 20 strikeouts, 9 walks, 6 home runs. That's that's tough right there. When you're giving up 6 home runs in 11 innings as a closer. So his ERA back to July 4th is still 14.6. I know it's been pointed out by many people that's roughly when him and his wife had a newborn and it wasn't a typical pregnancy there was some complications I know he was away from the Brewers that's when he was selling the Brewers and I'm a Brewers fan so it was gone with some complications look he's he's a human being I, I don't really know I don't need to know but what I do know is Bob Melvin's on Saturday said that Hater would be quote receiving a little break from the closer role for a committee approach so who is that committee well you have Luis Garcia Robert Suarez Nick Martinez and Josh Hader I think I just said hater, but Nick Martinez has been excellent since moving to the bullpen in July. In his 22 innings, really, in the bullpen, he's got allowed just three earned runs. It's possible they like to use him as multiple innings. Robert Suarez missed a big chunk of the season. A lot of people in the offseason got really high on Robert Suarez coming back over from, I think it was the KBO, but it might have been Japan, but overseas. And he missed all of July with a big chunk with a knee injury. Since he's returned from that injury, seven innings, six Ks, two walks, only an earned run. And Luis Garcia has also been pretty good the past couple months. 15 innings, five earned runs, 16 Ks with a 293 air bay. And it should be noted that he is the one who had the save on Saturday. 
So for fantasy, you probably want Luis Garcia the most. Uh, you want Josh Hader. I would not drop Josh Hader. This could be a couple days, even if it's a couple weeks. His upside is you probably want to sit him on your bench for a little bit, but I would not drop Josh Hader. But beyond Josh Hader, you want Luis Garcia the most, but it's not particularly with a lot of confidence. I would rather have Rowan Wick, who I mentioned before. He's still a better option. He's On Yahoo, he's 38% rostered. Fantrax, 54%. Wick's been on a bit of a cold streak, including a loss yesterday versus Milwaukee, but I still feel more confident that he's going to get save chances than anyone right now in San Diego. And on Fantrax, Jonathan Hernandez is easily the best option at only 34% rostered. He's actually only 21% rostered on Yahoo. And his his last three appearances, which go back to August 13th, so it's been even over a week, but he has two saves and a win yesterday or Saturday. He had two innings pitched at Miami and pulled out the win in it. And since he's came back, I think I mentioned him one other time. He's been really good all year. And I don't think Joe Barlow is just going to get handed that job back. I think he's going to have to take it back from Jonathan Hernandez. Story number four, back to football. Man, I went every other one this time. I should have lumped some of these together, but that's okay. And we have yet another rookie to discuss. This is not a running back like Brian Robinson, but it's a quarterback. Kenny Pickett and his, remember when his tiny hands were a thing, are starting to make it look like he should be the starter week one for Pittsburgh. Flashback one year. About this time last year, another team had drafted a rookie quarterback late in the first round and had signed a free agent quarterback to compete with him. And we thought, well, Cam Newton's likely to lead off for the New England Patriots. And then Mac Jones became the starter. It's very similar to that, right? Cam Newton is replaced by Mitch Trubisky, who gets signed to a free agent deal. And we assume that he's going to start, but Mac Jones looked good enough in the preseason and took the job. And Kenny Pickett looks excellent. In his second preseason game against Jacksonville, 6 for 7, 76 yards and a touchdown, including... This Everybody wanted to point this out. Every article I read pointed out how we read, led the hurry-up offense. And Deontay Johnson said, I felt like he was comfortable out there. He got us down the field in the two-minute drive. That was something we were working, working on throughout camp as a whole. He mentioned how poised he was, how comfortable he was, just how he looks like he's ready to do this. And I watched the replay of that game just to watch specifically that drive, and, and I agree. Kenny Pickett looks doesn't look like a typical rookie. He looks like someone who knows what he's doing out there and is ready to step up and lead the Steelers. But Kenny Pickett is now 19 for 22 in two preseason games for 171 yards and three touchdowns. That's really good. Mitchell Trubisky, 9 for 16, 123 yards and a touchdown himself. Neither one of them has lost this job, but it sure seems like Kenny Pickett is winning this job. Uh, Right now, Kenny Pickett has a 31 for an ADP among quarterbacks, and Mitch Trubisky has 34 for an ADP among quarterbacks, according to Fantasy Pros. When one of them, whoever it is, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, is officially named quarterback, their ADP has to rise, and the other ones is pretty obviously going to sink. Now, if it is Mitchell Trubisky who gets named quarterback day week one, I would still be willing to assume that Kenny Pickett is going to make more starts this year. He looks really good at this point. I know that a lot of people... Mitchell Trubisky is probably underrated for how good he is. Uh, Those Bears years were rough, but he had a Pro Bowl year there, and he learned for a year behind Josh Allen, who's a great, obviously, quarterback himself. And so I I think he could be successful in Pittsburgh, but they're going to start calling for Kenny Pickett early. I think they're already calling for Kenny Pickett big time if you're a Steelers fan. So if you're doing a super flex draft today, I would feel comfortable taking Kenny Pickett as a second quarterback. If it's a single quarterback league, 
you're not drafting either one of them either way anyway. They're just not trusting that yet. Somebody more to put on a watch list later in the season. Back to baseball for the last story. It's been a while, but remember when Eduardo Rodriguez was signed to a five-year, $77 million contract this offseason? Well, he's back. It's been, like I said, in a long-awaited return. Rodriguez went five innings, he did not give up an earned run, and he struck out five while beating the Los Angeles Angels. Now, he still walked more than you'd like. He walked three batters on just 78 pitches. But overall, pretty effective. He got some help from some good defense. Riley Green made an unbelievable catch in center field, and he stranded a couple in the first. But he looked pretty effective. He should keep building that pitch count up. I don't think it's going to – obviously, I don't think it's going to stay at 78. I think it will continue to rise. And Rodriguez himself felt like he could get better. His exact quote was, that's the best result I could have gotten. I came back, I helped us win a game, I wasn't nervous because I had some games in the minors. As soon as I threw that first pitch, I was ready to go. So it's been a while since we've seen Eduardo Rodriguez. He suffered a rib injury back way back on May 18th, and you may be thinking, oh, that's a long time for a rib. Like, you didn't say he broke this sucker or cracked a few of them, and you'd be right. On June 9th, he started a rehab assignment, but then in the middle of that, he left the team with a personal matter and was on the restricted list until Friday and not being paid on that restricted list. So you might be thinking, well, okay, well, just collecting checks. No, he didn't get paid until Friday, which means he lost about $5 million. Now, it, once again, it doesn't really matter to me what it was. It doesn't. You take care of you, absolutely. But you can tell from some of the comments he made in front of the media on Friday that something to do with his family. His comment was, it is difficult to step away from my career and all my teammates and everything he said, but for me, family is always first. Absolutely. Preach Eduardo Rodriguez. I couldn't agree more, dude. If you need to step away from the game for your family, you do that. And he did. And that's that's awesome, man. Good for you. And he stepped back up and it looks like Detroit welcomed him with open arms. He talked about how the fans or his teammates specifically were a second family, too, and that everybody was really willing to have him back. So that's good. Now for you. Rodriguez may be available in some of your fantasy leagues. 77% on Fantrax and only 42% on Yahoo. So there's a man who was a 12th round pick just a few months ago. And someone you probably, if you did draft him, expected to be your starting pitcher number four on many of your teams. Maybe five if you drafted him early. But he was not some slouch. And even though it felt like he was bad really early in the year, he really wasn't all that awful when I went back and looked at it. He had eight starts earlier in the year. He allowed more than earned three earned runs one time where he gave up four and some of those starts were short don't get me wrong he had his last one before he went got injured he only went one third of an inning and allowed three earned runs but the question is always the control is he going to be able to throw enough strikes today's with today's game he's had 44 innings he's already walked 20 batters that's not great that's not what you want but his era is also down to 389 it's a risk at this point of the year but it's a risk that could pay off. This is a guy, I said, there's definitely talent here, and if you need a risk and you want to try to make a push to the standings, it's better to finish towards the bottom than it is to finish in the middle, I always say. So if taking the risk on Eduardo Rodriguez pushes you to the top, take the chance. That's the Daily Five for August 22nd. Tune back in tomorrow for five new news stories. The podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict. If your app allows, please leave a like and review and share the podcast with your friends if you enjoy what I'm doing. Some of you guys are doing that. It's lovely. Thank you so much. Have a great day, and I will see you tomorrow.